righty. Grab your chairs. Someone's waving to me out there. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Tick, tick, tick. To the front row, lady. Let's all pray. You ready to pray? Pray. Lord, we just thank you for the, uh, for the night, for the, actually uh, this entire series that Alice bringing. We really believe, Lord, that you're, that you're lining us up for our purpose in life. And, uh, you know, for a lot of us, we've waited a long, long time for this. And now we're seeing it begin to unfold. We know it's beginning to unfold. We have a lot of evidence of that. I just pray for the people, Lord, as they wait for you to see what's going on, that their faith will not fail. They would reinvent, reinforce their faith and their hope in you. Uh, because God is on the move. And God is doing amazing things if we just wait on him. So I pray that Al will be able to speak to our hearts tonight. So I'm asking you, Holy Spirit, to fill his heart. And just give him complete liberty to minister according to what you bring to him. We receive it, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Mr. Houghton. Amen. There's your half. He that has an ear, let him hear. <laughs> Without amplification. <laughs> The, this is the amazing thing to me. I'm, ast- I'm experiencing this right now. There, the fun, when your walk actually becomes fun. And the reason is because the weight and the burden of it has shifted. And it's shifted because the compulsion is gone. And the responsibility is where it belongs. It's on God. And so, how do you get the, I spent almost 40, 42 years before I experienced that. And I really believe the reason it took so long was because I had the best seminary that you could have as a evangelical, you know, who wasn't a in, in those days, tongue talkers were on the other side of the railroad track. They were just radical nutcase bunch, you know. And uh, so if, if you had any class at all, <laughs> hear the pride and the arrogance in that? Uh, yeah. you, you, you do hear that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, that's what it is, 100%. <laughs> pride and arrogance. One of the first things you have to lose then they started just in the 70s. They started opening up Bible schools that were not Pentecostal, but were charismatic. So some of them uh, advertised, we've got two things that we major in. We major in the scholarship of the word, and we try to marry it with the power of the spirit. And... Uh, one of those was on the West Coast, uh, out of a church. It was brand new. It just started. And boy, that hit me. Cause that's what I wanted. Cause I had grown up in church all my life, Sunday school superintendent at 17. I mean, you know, small church in a warm body, you get a job. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> you know how that works. 
<laughs> and so this was a great seminary. We had David Duplessy as an adjunct. Mr. Pentecost was one of our adjunct uh, professors who came in. And uh, we really had the, the best. In order to teach in the seminary I went to, you had to have, except for guys like David Duplessy, you had to have um, been fairly high up in denominational Christianity and gotten the left foot of fellowship because you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. So you had to be kicked out and a tongue talker. So those those were all, all those guys found a home. Couldn't get a job anywhere else. They found a home at our, in our seminary. And it really was a great place because when they started teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, I mean, you never went to the next one until that, until you felt proficient in the one you were studying. So it was a great marriage between the theology and the practice, which was what they attempted to do. <clears throat> Somehow we never were taught the importance and the power of developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And probably the first guy that I saw that really addressed that, I mean, on a large-scale basis in our country, was Benny Hinn. I mean, and he brought that out, the importance of that. I still didn't get it. I mean, God had to ship me to Australia to a healed autistic kid in high school. He got healed of autism, and God promised him a advanced degree for... Uh, every year that he couldn't learn. His father was a witch doctor in Singapore. He passed every test in grade school by witchcraft. And then he got filled with the Holy Spirit. So here you've got a guy who's trained in the de- ways of the demons. Then he gets filled with the Holy Spirit called into ministry. And now he's learning the power of the Holy Spirit. So and the most disciplined guy I've ever met. Four hours a day, prayed in tongues, got up every morning, went to bed at 8 o'clock, got up at 4 o'clock, prayed in tongues for four hours until 8 a.m., then started his day. And he assigned me to do 10 sessions with seminarians, 10 50-minute classes on tongues. And I just went ballistic. I said, maybe I could do one, but I can't do 10. And... uh that's when I was told, he told me you would say that, and here's his story. And his personal assistant had picked me up at the airport and told me his whole story. And all I could do was go home, repent, fall on my knees, say, God, you got to teach me everything I never knew about tongues. That started the greatest adventure I have had in my life with the Holy Ghost right there. God had to trap me on the backside of the desert in Australia and put me in an absolutely untenable position. No way out. That's untenable. No way out except him. He was the way out. And I discovered something I wish to heck I'd gotten in seminary. Ministry was designed to be done by the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And if we will just obey what the word says concerning him, 
It's his job. It's his assignment to guide us, push us, direct us, pull us, drag us, goose us into the right direction, into the inheritance that was ordained for us before the foundation of the earth. The real key to number eight of the sonship gift inheritance is in you and I getting smart enough to let go of our pride, move over on the other side of the tracks, and embrace the Holy Spirit and and start trusting him to do the job he was sent for. And that job is a ministry. Hallelujah. So you're going to get a little combo tonight. <clears throat> you're going to get what I've learned since the backside of Australia about how your inheritance is wrapped up in the Holy Spirit. It is his job to get you there. So what I'm saying is there, you should feel absolutely no compulsion at all to find your inheritance. If you have any compulsion in that direction, it's misplaced. Misplaced. What you, we need to develop, we need to do what the Bible says do with the Holy Spirit. We need to say yes to what the Bible says, uh, He's sent for and embrace it. And we need to do what is uncomfortable. You need to build it into your life as a discipline. Nobody taught me that and said, Mr. Pentecost, I took every class I could get from him. And you get it from him. We we didn't get it. The Holy Spirit's job is to unfold the will of God, the purpose of God, the inheritance of God in our life. And I'm firmly convinced at this stage, somewhere toward what looks like the end or the latter days of my life in ministry, I've been teaching... For two years, you guys know, you've been here for every one of them on the importance of developing a relationship with the Father like Jesus had. Well, I just had an experience that kicked me a little further into it. Because you know, people like me who spend a lot of time studying, studying, studying stuff, they they think that they're. Uh, it's much easier to think than it is to do. I don't know whether it's the curse of intelligence or the curse. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what it is, but it's a it's an obstacle because you tend to overthink stuff. You're always questioning this, questioning that. God, I I must have driven my parents crazy when I was growing up, questioning everything. Because that's how I'm built, because I I like to think stuff through. I like to search stuff out. Hallelujah. So, (laughs) I'm here today. I should be dead right now. Because I had a 96% occlusion on the descending artery in my heart 
and a nuclear stress test, complete with pictures, that I took last September showed nothing. Came back with no significant blood flow loss in your arteries. Now, just prior to, two weeks ago, prior to going to Costa Rica, for probably the most strenuous ministry trip I've had all year. I mean, those guys know how to use you like a rented mule. (laughs) They don't have any problem doing it either. Man, you have 10 and 12 hour days and you're going from 8 a.m. to 8 at night to maybe 10. Just solid ministry. Walked all over the capital, prayed judgment on it. Everything we could pray judgment on. We put the word to work. So it was one of those trips. I didn't have any chest pain. I had no shortness of breath. I had no sign. But because I've been teaching on developing a relationship with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit told me, uh, get yourself a, a test. And there's a guy who does cheap tests. He's an Indian doctor. He does cheap tests, $150 for a heart scan, $425 for your whole body. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you you go into that office, you got to wait two hours to get get in there to go through the machine and, you know, get your MRI. But he does a great service. Because everybody who, I mean, even your deductibles are close to that or more. So, I mean, his office is full all the time. His son, his family business. So I call him up and I said, I'll take the, because the Holy Spirit is saying, go get your own uh, MRI of your heart. So I call him up. I'll take the first available. All right. The night before I'm headed off. Or the day before, uh, I'm going to fly out to go to Costa Rica. So I go in for the heart scan. And so Janie gets the report. <laughs> oh, my God. Calcium score doubled. 90-plus percent chance of a cardiac event. You're a heart attack going somewhere to happen. Get in to see your cardiologist now. Now, that was waiting for me when I got home. So we got the first opening at the cardiologist. Janie says, I'm going with you. You lost your mother at 69, and I'm 73 right now. So I've already outlived mom four years. I'm going. We go in to see the cardiologist, and he says, you know what? It it used to be that I could send you off for a heart catheterization with um, family history. But he said, I can't now. I said, what do you mean you can't now? Well, when he said, I can't, you have to tell me you have shortness of breath or chest pain. See, ever since uh, Obama, Medicare was shifted. It was opened up to a whole lot of people. And so what they're, they're rationing health care. They know that the first sign most people have that you have heart disease of America, the first sign you have heart disease is when you have a heart attack and die. First sign. So they're rationing health care. In other words, they're killing off 40% of America because they can't afford to pay it. (laughs) That's where we are. 
I mean, that's just it. Janie went ballistic. Now, you guys who know my wife, compassion lady. She ripped that cardiologist. She created a scene in the doctor's office. We entertained his staff for five minutes while my wife read him the riot act. It was unbelievable. I mean, somebody thought they opened the cage and loosed the lions. Oh, shoot, I'd never seen that before. God, I mean, unless it was aimed at me. I'd seen it a couple of times, come to think of it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> shit, those are usually reserved for me. Uh, congratulations, Doc. You finally got reached my category. <laughs> oh, it was a hoot. And he said, "Look, I'm sorry. I can't. That you got to tell me." I said, "Okay, all right, I got it. I'm going home. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going home. I'm going to walk up the longest hill I can find until I got shortness of breath, and then I'm calling." That's <laughs> exactly what I did. <laughs> yeah, I got shortness of breath. Schedule me. He wouldn't. He was sending me a letter. I was waiting for a call. I waited for a call that day from the scheduler. So then I called, didn't get it. So the next day I called in. I said, hey, he told me he was going to schedule me. Well, we're sending you a letter. Give me the number of the scheduler. Now I'm being driven by the Holy Spirit. What I've been preaching for two years, starting to manifest. I'm being driven by the Holy Spirit. You need to get in there. You need to get in there now. Don't put it off. Take the first available. So I called and said, what's the first available? She said, well, uh, Thursday morning, just five minutes from you. They, you know, they, they just six months previously completed this high tech uh, lab where the, everybody, the, the best doctors in Orange County love to go to the little hospital, Placentia Linda Hospital, right close to us because they've got the pinnacle high tech room for doing heart catheterizations. Big screen, I mean everything. They've got it. So they roll me in. So we get up that morning at six o'clock. We have to be there at seven. And uh, I'm thinking, you know, this is all unfolded so fast. I don't know if this guy's a one star, no star, zero star. I'm, I may be putting my heart in the hands of somebody who's incompetent. This is nuts. I've gone way too fast on this. I'm canceling this, and, and I'm going to investigate this guy because I've never heard of him. And he's from South County. And Janie said, no, you're not until you pray. You pray and see what God says. I prayed, and in 30 seconds, here's what I heard. I mean, it was loud. You're not in his hands. You're in mine. And the peace of God just went. You're not in his hands. You're in mine. You know that stuff you've been preaching for? Let me put it in a different language that we can all understand. You know that stuff you've been preaching for two years? Don't you think about time you believed it? Uh, oops. Yeah, I think it might be. You're not in his hands. You're mine. So, Janie, let's go. Finish your shower. We're out of here. I went in there. He said, probably 30 minutes. Based on your last, uh, all the tests I've got in front of me, you'll probably be out of here in 30 minutes. Two hours later, they rolled me out. And when I recovered, I was black and blue from here to here. 
because he did not. What he found was a 80%. He found a 96%, a 80%, a 60%. And I said, why the heck did you only do one stint? Why didn't you fix it all? And he said, well, because I think we might be able to to um, adjust it with a real strong Rosview statin. And if you will eat right, I think you might recover from plaque. I said, really? You can do that now? He said, well, we've got some research that says we can. And I'm willing to take a chance. I said, yeah, but it's my life, not yours. He said, sorry, son. You got one instead of three. (laughs) Oh, okay. It's all done. You beat the hell out of me in that process. Golly. I thought those things were supposed to be easy, but it took more than a week to recover from that. I mean, just a man, oh, man. But what he told me when I woke up, you were a heart attack going somewhere to happen, and you were lucky because just drops of blood were getting through. That's how bad it was. You were 96% occluded. And we had just uh, a couple of months before had friends who lost 49-year-old son who was 60% occluded. And I was 96. The Holy Spirit has a job, an assignment from Father. Get you to your purpose. Get you to your inheritance. Get you to the fullness he ordained for you before the foundations of the earth. Hallelujah. And I found something in Genesis 26 that's an absolute key to this whole deal. It's a one-liner. You know, there are one-liners in our Bible that that connect the dots. And, and this is one. I was going to start in Ephesians 1, but oh well. Hey, you know how this works. Yeah. When you go to the Holy Ghost, you fly without a flight plan. Hallelujah. So you end up giving people what they need, not what you planned. Hallelujah. I like that one better anyway. All right. 28. Yeah, Genesis 28. It's where Jacob's on the run. You know, he's out there on his own for the first time. And he has a dream and he names the place Bethel. Uh, look at this. Pick it up, verse 15. Now, now this is where Jacob does his, uh, uh, five promises and the tithe. So we've, we've all studied that in verse 20. Jacob made a vow. God, if you will be with, one with me. Two, keep me in the way that's protect me. Three, give me bread to eat. Four, clothing, which also includes shelter. That's housing also. Five, bring me back to my father's house in peace. Fulfill my destiny. All right. And if you will do that, I will give you a tenth of all. So those are the five blessings that go with the tithe. We already studied that. That wasn't the one that just brought peace of God and answered all these questions. Because when you get to my age, here's the number one thing you run into with, with people who've been around a long time, have got a long list of prophecy that you haven't seen come to pass. And, and the number one question you hear over and over again from people your own age when you're over 70 is, do you think I will ever see 
some of this stuff that has been prophesied? And my answer has always had to be the same. If it's God, you better believe it. If it, if it truly is the Lord, if it was the Lord who spoke it, you better believe you're going to see it. Now, circle this verse. Hallelujah. You gotta love this verse. 15. Behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. As long as you've got the Holy Spirit on board in your life, here's how God works. I'm not leaving you until I've completed everything I promised I would do for you. And that's the assignment of the Spirit. The assignment is to get us to our purpose. We know that from John 14. We know that from Romans 8. I mean, we we got Bible, 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 Bible. We know the promises, most of us. All right, so what is the issue? What is the key to our inheritance? If I can sum up the key that guarantees you and I will all see our inheritance, it is two words. Well, if, if you add the three words, the Holy Spirit. If we develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit, because he's representing the Godhead in here. If we develop the relate, he is charged. He knows when you got a 96% occlusion and he knows how to get you there. Now that's my testimony. I am here alive with a stent, uh, fully recovered because of the Holy Spirit. If it hadn't been for the Holy Spirit, I would not have done all that stuff that ended up getting me saved from myself, from what no doctor could see, no test had revealed. I'm here for one reason, the Holy Spirit. And you know what? I will be here. If I haven't finished in 10 years, I will still be here because I'm not finished. If I finish next week, adios amigo, I'm out of here. I got no problems leaving. I've already crossed that bridge twice. And the worst part's coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. All right. So the key to this deal, the inheritance, the whole nine yards. Now, notice how this unfolds. Ephesians 1, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Because each one of these is consecutive. The, the, they're built on the preceding gift. Alright, so you start out with chosen. And it starts there. When you accept that, on that, he builds holy. On that, blameless. That qualifies us for adoption, number four. Then after adoption, we got five, six, and seven, where we are solidified as sons and daughters of God. Acceptance is the first one. That is number five. Sonship gift five. Six, God redeems every failure. He pays all the fines. Seven is twofold. It's remission of sin, but remission is forgiveness. And then it's expunging. No record. The record is wiped. All the books are cleared. There's no record. When you say yes to the blood of Christ, you have no record And it's up to you and I to silence the voice of the accuser of the brethren. We have authority to do that, and it's our assignment to do that. 
We have to do it. Sorry, I, I've refused to listen to that. There's no record. I didn't do that. I didn't kill that kid. That was somebody else. Look at verse 8. All right. Uh, 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will. Ephesians 1, 9. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. So in Christ, the Lord has seen everything that's going to come at us. He knows everything in our future. In Christ, future encounters can be prayed out of the spirit realm into the natural. That is the purpose of tongues. The purpose of tongues is to reach in to the realm of the spirit and pull out the inheritance you're going to need in your future encounters so that the provision is there when the need shows up. What happened to me? What's my testimony since I got sent to the backside of Australia to learn what I missed in seminary? Peace. Rest. The devil had a heart attack planned for you. Yeah, and God stomped all over his head because I listened to the Holy Spirit. How much stuff, supernatural manifestations of the Spirit are ahead if we will listen to the Holy Spirit? It's endless. It is endless because that's who he is. He's prepared for tomorrow. You and I may not be, but he is. He's prepared for next week. He's prepared for 2020. So at this point in time, I don't know what's coming, but I know how to pull the provision for whatever it is out. So it's right there ready to reach in. He has gathered together in one, in the fullness of the times, all things which are in heaven and all things which are on earth in him. Heaven meets earth through the sons and daughters in the family business who are in relationship with him. That's our son. You and I know we can't do it. That's the joy. We don't have to. We were never assigned to. We don't have that ability. But God in us, the hope of glory. Why does the Bible say we go from glory to glory? Because it's the successive unfolding of the glory of God that he planned for us. So that when we read Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, 1 Corinthians 2.9, I had not seen, ear had not heard. 
nor have entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but they are revealed by his spirit. So the spirit has given us the way to reach in to the realm of heaven where the glory has already been given, according to Jesus, what he prayed in John 17, 20 and 21. Glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one even as you and I are one. And then the next two verses, that you and I may be made mature, maybe grow into the fullness of that unity. Well, in the fullness of that unity, there is no stress, no pressure, no worry, no fear. Doesn't exist in the realm you live in because you're living out of heaven and you're bringing heaven down to manifest in earth. Because that was our assignment by the Father. That's what he provided in Christ. Hallelujah. And what's the key? Get ready to move over the wrong side of the tracks. Can't be that simple. It is that simple. (laughs) Anybody who will bow their knee to the word can walk in it. Is it, does it, it amaze you to look at church history and discover that some of the greatest manifestors of the power of God were nearly illiterate people? Yeah. Smith Wigglesworth. Yeah. How many people do you know that when a mother brings up a, a baby and sets them on and said, the doctor says my son's going to die? Smith being English, they don't do baseball. In England. They do soccer. He gives a broadside soccer kick to that kid off the stage. Soccer ball kicked him right out into his mother's lap. Who laid him on the altar and went back and sat down on the first row. You got to be one gutsy dude. And the minute that kid hit his mother's lap, he was healed. (laughs) Only the Holy Ghost can plan stuff like that. And only people in praying tongues usually have the balls to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all right. (laughs) Oh, Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) this is an incredible deal it really is because it's the simplicity of it the simplicity of our walk with God takes the responsibility off the shoulders that were never intended to carry it and puts it on the shoulders of the spirit who was purposed to carry it But, why? So, what is our biggest fight? I mean, shoot, I don't need these. Never get to use them anyway. (laughs) I got up at 4.30 this morning working on this morning's. And and you know what happens as soon as you get in the pulpit and hit the flow of the Holy Spirit, out go the notes, you never look at them again. 
Because when you pray in the spirit, you hit that flow. And that's what you want to do. You're looking for that. So when you hit the flow, that's where you go. You go with the flow of the spirit. He knows the word better than I do. He can give it to me as I go. Most of us know what this book says about the Holy Spirit. But the truth is, if you were anything like me, you weren't doing it. And that's where I was. I had let tongues slip for 20 plus years when I got sent to the backside of the Australian desert, Perth. Sat in every church service, conducted many of them, but there was stuff in the book I wasn't doing. I wasn't praying in the Spirit. Too busy studying the Word. How does that happen? I don't know. It just does. did to me. Probably has to you. The demands of your schedule. And the only clue I found is in 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 15. When you pray in the Spirit, your mind is unfruitful. Now, if you're a thinking person, if you like to camp out, if you like to be in control, the hardest thing for you to do is some exercise where you park your mind and it's absolutely worthless. Sitting there objecting every step of the way. You're not gaining anything with this. This is a futile exercise. This is a waste of time. All it does is complain, 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 because it's unfruitful. So what do you discover about tongues? What is the bottom line? I mean, I, I could go through the assignment of the Holy Spirit in John 14. I could go through 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, here it is. Here's how it unfolds. I have not seen her, have not, but, but the Holy Spirit has revealed them to us. He searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God to reveal them to us, to manifest them, for the anointing to be there when you and I are going to need it. Because it's God's will that heaven meet earth through you, a son and a daughter. That's your assignment. Your assignment is to be a son of God and be in relationship or a daughter of God and be in relationship with your dad. Talk to your dad. Spend time with dad. And when you're spending time with dad, pray in the spirit. What did I learn? I learned that God put a test in front of us. And our biggest issue, we are so much like him, created in his image, created in his likeness. We're like him. And because we're like him, we got an intellect that has to be pacified. Isaiah 28. Here it is, right here. Isaiah 28. Here's the bottom line. If you get this tonight, you got the key to the rest of your life. Because you pray it out, and then you walk it out. When you pray it out, you're reaching out into the future and pulling heaven down to earth. So it's waiting for you to get there. It's waiting for you to show up. It is on tap. 
It's scheduled by the Holy Ghost. You pray his schedule of intervention into your life ahead of time. All right, but what does this say? Verse 9, Isaiah 28, 9. Whom will he teach knowledge? Whom will he make to understand the message? Those just weaned from the milk. Those just drawn from the breast. For precept must be on precept, precept on precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to this people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. Yet they... Do you get this verse 12? This is the rest. This is the refreshing. Whoa. This is the rest. This is the refreshing. All right, rest. What does rest mean? It means rest. Now, refreshing is a little different. Refreshing is one of the few words in Scripture that carries Two diametrically opposite meanings at the same time. You're an enigma, enigma going somewhere to happen. You got two opposing forces at work that you have prayed into existence. I mean, look it up. So I did this afternoon. God directed me there. I looked it up. And they will tell you, we are still struggling with this word and what it means. But if you know the Holy Ghost, oh, you recognize what it means. Because it tattoos the Holy Ghost and how he operates on the inside of us. This is the rest. This is the refreshing. Yet they would not. It's a test. It's a spiritual test of whether your heart is going to win over your head. And since we just have prophetically declared this morning that Bob Jones' seven-year-old word is now on, it's on. And it goes beyond movies, and it goes beyond the factions of Christianity, and it goes right to our doorstep and how we live our life. Who's going to win out? Are you going to live out of your heart, or are you going to live out of your head? Look up the Hebrew word for refreshing. Two opposing forces. Number one, rest. Number two, sudden burst of action. (laughs) Spontaneous combustion. Going from rest. Anybody who knows the Holy Ghost, you know that. You look at that and say, hey, wait a minute. I've lived that. That's God in you. When you pray in tongues, you pray yourself into rest until you pray the exploding wineskin. The wineskin explodes. What do wineskins explode from? Fermentation of new wine. There's a Greek word for that in the New Testament. It's called ek-ko. <laughs> Wineskins blow. <laughs> What's going on when you're praying in the Spirit? You're praying yourself into rest until suddenly there's a push from the Holy Spirit 
declare, decree, prophesy, pray, go here, do this, until you're pushed into action. You praying yourself into rest until the Holy Spirit pushes you into action. So you pray yourself out of your head. You resist trying to fix stuff. That's a challenge. Anybody's ever been a husband, dad, granddad? Spend 90% of my time fixing stuff. Other people's stuff. Bam! And that's released at KO. Now Romans 5 is where these things come together. They come together. But but now notice, look at this again before we leave. Isaiah 28. Look at this again. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. This is the refreshing. What does your Bible say at the end of verse 12? 28, 12. They would not hear. So please write out in the margin there, spiritual test. Spiritual test. Tongues is designed as a spiritual test. And the fruit of it is you pray yourself into rest until the burst of the Spirit pushes you into action. All right, I want to show it to you in the New Testament because I believe God puts all this stuff in the old. He confirms it in the new. And so in order to make sure... You know, that we're not off base. We need to find it in a couple of places. Hallelujah. To me, that's safety. I mean, that's just biblically the way to approach things. Uh, that That is the way to keep yourself safe in the word and, and not get uh, off on your own tangent. So, Ekao, Romans chapter 5. Pick it up in verse 3. Oh, well, if... Let's go to 1. Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Right in the margin, rest. Peace with God. Rest. Rest. We're at rest. We're at peace with God. We're at rest. Praying in tongues brings us into a rest. And it doesn't make any difference how much pressure starts coming at you. Because the more you pray in tongues, the more you know you're praying a Holy Spirit burst. That's going to take care of that mountain. It's going to impact it. It's either going to slow it down, stop it in its tracks, or it's going to move it. Because when God comes, you can't move it if God didn't uh, come on the scene. So you've got to bring God on the scene to move it. Hallelujah. That's how you avoid heart attacks and get stents instead. And so God keeps your ticker going. Just little drops of blood squeezing through. You ought to have a heart attack, but you don't. Because you prayed yourself into peace. You prayed yourself into rest until God can get you on the table and fix it. Now, you're semi-normal. Semi. Semi over here. The emphasis is semi. Yeah. <laughs> Did you write? 
rest by verse 1. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory. All right. When the glory comes, it's always a suddenly. It's a Holy Spirit burst. The spies come back. Ten of them say they're giants in the land. We can't take it. All the people say, well, shoot, let's go back to Egypt. Kill Moses. And all of a sudden, the glory manifests. Moses goes over to the tabernacle. God said, get out of the way, Moses. I'm going to kill them all, and I'm going to start over with you. And Moses is thinking, how many wives is that going to take? <laughs> oh, crap. Can't, can't we fix this? <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> All right, slight modification in the word there. All right, verse 3. <laughs> and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Why would you say we glory in tribulation? Because you know that in this process, tribulation amps up the pressure. And as you pray in the Spirit, you're praying Heaven's answer to that tribulation, and when it comes, it's going to move you from rest into speaking the word, commanding the mountain to move. You're going to do something, but you're not doing it in your own flesh. You're doing it by the Spirit. And because you're doing it by the Spirit, the mountain's going to move. God, what a way to walk. In peace. In rest, this is the rest, this is the refreshing, but they would not hear. Carbon copy, the why, the why of the test in Isaiah 28. (laughs) Look at it unfold. And not only that, we also glory in tribulation, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been. E-K-O. Bursting wineskin. Go ahead, devil. Amp up the pressure. Bam! Here comes the Holy Ghost. You're speaking to the mountain, and all of a sudden, God comes on the scene. His love brings heaven to earth and moves your mountain. Now, your choice is, am I going to tackle this mountain out of my head? What can I do to solve this problem? Oh, there's an awesome and a wonderful temptation for every thinking individual. What can I do? And we, we need to do all we can do many times. But the number one thing we have to do is, God, what's your solution? What's your solution through this thing? Until the wineskin bursts. At KO. Let me give you three places where the wineskin bursts so you understand exactly what we're talking about. At KO is the fruit of us praying in the Spirit. 
Ekao also appears as a Greek word in Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. Go to Matthew chapter 9, verse 17. Ekao. I'm telling you guys, you start walking this way, you're going to have the time of your life. You're going to have more fun you've ever had. You are not going to be under pressure. You're, it's, this is the way. 917, nor do people put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins will. Ekao. The wine is spilled, the wineskins are ruined. So they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So, what happens when a wineskin explodes? You got wine flowing all over the place. In the Holy Spirit, that explosion is your deliverance. It's the manifestation of the love of God to move your mountain, to bring your provision, to take you into the next realm of the Spirit, to release the glory of the Lord in our behalf. Oh, all right. Well, we can understand that. Let's see. You got any more of those? Yeah. How about 23.5? Same book. Yep. Same book. Matthew 23.5. Hello. Here we go. Ek-K-O. You and I are going to start looking for Ek-K-O. All right. But all their works they did to be seen by men. What? That's not it. Oops. Oh, sorry. I said 23, 5. 35. <laughs> 35. 23. Same. Yeah, right chapter. Wrong verse. 23, 34. Therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men, scribes. Some of them you'll kill and crucify. Some of them you'll scourge in your synagogues, persecute from city to city. That on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on the earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the temple and the altar. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come on this generation. Hallelujah. Matthew 23. Well, guys, sorry about that. I'm going to have to look that one up. Either that or I can't read my writing. Look at 26, 28. Same. Matthew. Let's see if I got that one right. 26, 28. Hallelujah. Oh, here we go. Verse 28. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is ek-k-o, shed for many for the remission of sin. So what we have in ek-k-o is we have everything now that the blood has bought suddenly coming by the Spirit into manifestation like the bursting of the wineskin. So the picture is you prayed yourself into rest and then suddenly you you prayed yourself into a burst of the Holy Spirit, a blood-bought burst of the Holy Spirit. It, it's a deliverance. It's a healing. It's what to do. It's wisdom. It is the direction through. Hallelujah. So we've got the new covenant telling us the exact same thing that Isaiah did in 28. 
This is the rest. This is the refreshing. The question is, will we do it? Will we stop taking the comfortable way through and trying to figure it out with our mind? And will we go after the spirit? Because that's where our inheritance is. It's relational. The inheritance of the Lord is relational and it comes by the manifestation of the glory. And that's what we're praying in the spirit into existence. Because 1 Corinthians 2, the Holy Spirit knows where all the things are that God has ordained for us. And it's his job to get us there. So I'll tell you what. Well, I'll finish up tonight right there. So so go over there to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and let's just look at it. Because it, it's from 9 all the way to the end of the chapter. It, it is what he has assigned to do for us. And tongues is how we get it. Okay? First Corinthians 2 9. So tongues is the key to our inheritance. Tongues unfolds our inheritance. 2 9. As it is written, eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his, has revealed. Everybody say past tense. So write past tense next to verse 10. God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given us by God. So, circle verse 12 and write, key to your inheritance. It's right there. Praying in tongues is a key to our inheritance according to verse 12. And it's also in Romans 8. We know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. That is tongues. And we call it forth. That's Romans 8. So it's a parallel passage. It basically says the same thing. Verse 12, now we have received, have received, past tense, not the spirit of the world, but the spirits from God, that we might know, that we might know. The Holy Spirit, praying in tongues, is the way to pull what we don't know out into the now. On God's timeline, not ours. These things, 13, we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's tongues. Verse 13. Now, I was an agnostic for 10 years. When I went to college, turned my back on God, and I was agnostic for one reason. I mean, there, there was, I was mad at God. And I was mad at God because I wanted to be a pilot and I, and my eyes started going high school. So by the time I, I got out of high school, I had, uh, um, 20, 25, 20, 30. Left eye 20, 25, right eye 20, 30. I didn't, I went to the Air Force because my dad's on the draft board. You got, uh, 60 days and you'll be in the Army. I will not send other men's sons to war, not send you. So you got 60 days. You're wearing army green. So you better decide. What do you want to do in your future? In other words, 60 days, kid. That's it. You decide. I went to the Air Force. I was honest. Didn't even qualify to be a navigator. Went to the Navy. To heck with honesty. 
Get that crap. That didn't work. <laughs> Lied to them. You wear contacts, not me. In those days, they didn't have gas perm lenses. They were hard, man. Your eyes didn't breathe, but boy, those hard lenses, you know what they did? They'd flatten out. If you had astigmatism, astigmatism, see your, your eye muscle, your cornea works like this. That's how your cornea works. Alright. So, what it has to do is to see at a distance, it has to flatten out. And the more you look close, it goes like this and magnifies it. So you can read close. That's how your cornea works. I had an astigmatism. I could see perfect, still can. Close. Yeah, close. I got perfect close vision. Whoop-de-doo. Yeah. So there's glass in your lenses <laughs> for close, but not for far. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it won't close all the way. The cornea won't close all the way. So what does hard lenses did? They flattened your cornea so it, they closed it all the way. You wear them 12 to 14 hours a day. You mash that cornea closed. So the next day till about 2 p.m. 2012, 2015. You wear contacts, not me. Jacob. <laughs> I passed every Navy eye physical because I took it in the morning. <laughs> I got to fly uh, one of only uh, four planes in existence, super spy plane. I got to fly it for, for uh, three and a half years with contact lenses. And everybody would ask me, what's wrong with your eyes? Because I, I put those lenses in so I could see to fly <laughs> And then when I get down, my eyes look like Tennessee road maps. Man, they are terrible. They're oxygen starved for 12, 13, 14 hours. However long our hop was that we were on, I mean, it's a wonder I didn't just totally destroy my eyesight. But I flew 161 missions with contacts and survived. <laughs> At the time of my life, mad as hell at God every single day. Take everybody I could garner. Off to the, on Sunday morning. Hey, join me Sunday morning. I'm, I'm having, uh, just a little celebration on the first tee. What is it? Communion with a keg of beer. I'm buying. <laughs> That's somebody's mad at God. <laughs> just, you know, because you're out there recruiting people to come join you. You're ticked, you're mad, you're an agnostic, you're over one issue. I mean, all those guys don't need perfect vision. They don't need to fly. I do, and I don't have it. I'm mad at God. You, you want an, I pray, God, I pray, heal these eyes, heal these eyes. You're going to love this. Two years ago, I went to this old ex-Air um, Force flight surgeon, optometrist. And he's testing me. He's looking at me, and he says, those glasses don't work for you, do they? I said, no, really, they don't. And he said, well, I'll tell you why. Your eyes are getting better. <laughs> I went in this time and I said, next time I go to the DMV, I can pass the test. Doc, I'm telling you, I believe I can pass the eye test without my glasses. And he, he did a couple of extra tests on me. And he said, if you don't get glaucoma and if you don't get cataracts at your age, what happens is that your eyes start to get better until they're perfect. All those prayers 
that I prayed 50, 60 years ago are manifesting right now. This is the last pair of glasses I'll probably ever buy. And at 720 bucks, it ought to be. It's expensive to live in California. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This has been a wild walk. I mean, honestly, it is. So I'm going to come out here one of these days, and I will be wearing no glasses. And I'll probably be sitting in a cockpit flying my own airplane. I have promises yet unfilled that go all the way. Ba- because you have not withheld, withheld. You changed career when I called you because you have not withheld. And I hope you hear what I'm trying to say. God knows how to get us where we need to be. And if we will pray in the spirit, he will get us there. He will not leave us until he has finished our promises that bring us into our inheritance for what we're assigned to do. God Almighty. Now, this was the last story, and I got on a tangent. I apologize, so I'll wind it up. Here's what it is. It's a truth. God had to shift. When I asked for the Holy Spirit, I was just a recovering agnostic, only a month out of the military and I'm asking for the Holy Spirit and I heard all these testimonies and God did it and there was glory everywhere. I felt nothing. There was nothing. Uh, I'm waiting for God to start speaking in tongues through me. Zero zip, not a nothing zero. I said, God, you lied to me. You're still acting like an agnostic. I don't have the theology to be holy. So I'm just being Missouri farmer real with God. Spoke to me immediately. How can you pray in tongues with your mouth closed? And so all of a sudden this thought comes. Well, wait a minute. Now, what are you saying? Help me understand what you're saying. The spirit of the prophet subject to the prophet. What are you saying? Your faith is in the wrong place. Your faith is that I will come. Your expectation is I will come and I will make you speak in tongues. I want you to open your mouth and pray syllables, whatever it is. Well, I said, crap, this this sounds like baby talk. (laughs) God, you are BSing me 48 ways to Sunday. There is no way this is tongues. There is no way this is a language. That's what I said to the Lord. There's no way this is a language. Here's what he said back. Try it for 30 days. I challenge you, do it for 30 days. All right, now what's going on here? God is shifting my faith. My expectation is that God is going to do this. He's going to give me the gift of tongues. And because he's going to do it, then I'll know it's him. And he's shifting my faith. You pray it. I don't care. if I didn't feel a thing. I said, man, I'm manufacturing this. There's no doubt about it. And not only that, it's baby talk. It's crazy. There's nothing can come out of this, okay? You don't think nothing, anything can come out of this? You don't think that I can form your words into syllables? You, you don't know me. You don't know what I can do and what I can't. Try it for 30 days. Man, I got what's called a Holy Ghost con job. 
because in 30 days I had prayed myself out of an airline career and into the ministry. <laughs> My love for aviation just flew out and in place of it, a love for the Word of God. 30 days of baby talk. 30 days of convinced this ain't God. There is no way in hell this is God. This is crap. Yeah, well, that crap flushed flying out of my life and it shot me into the ministry. And I learned something about God. The people who don't say, well, I didn't get my language. Baloney. You got your language, but I, I know you were the same place I was. Your faith is misplaced. And you're expecting God to do what he's asking you to do. You open your mouth. You start talking. You, let, you put your faith over here that God is big enough to form whatever you speak into a language. And that that language will bring his glory to your doorstep. Now you put your faith in what his word says. This is the refreshing. This is the rest. Yet they would not here. Okay, I hear. I'm going to do it. I don't care what I feel like. I'm doing this. Well, man, you do it and say, say it's the same thing to you that God said to me. Try it for 30 days. <laughs> Here's what I learned on the backside of the desert in Australia. I should have started building, praying in tongues as a discipline into my life, but I didn't because I didn't understand the value. I didn't. And if you wait, if you don't build it as a discipline, if you wait till you feel like you have time for it, the devil will steal it from you. So you choose a time. And you discipline yourself to do it. You build it as a discipline into your life. And what you're doing is you're guaranteeing what I have not seen nor hear her ear heard, you are guaranteeing your inheritance in manifestation because you're pulling it out of the realm of the Spirit and it will meet you. It will meet you somewhere. I learned the hard way, guys. Father, thank you for this house. Thank you for City of Refuge. Thank you for what's on the future. Thank you for the nation's that you're bringing. Thank you for all the blessing you're about to pour out on this place. Thank you for the new assignments. Thank you for the greater impact on the city, on the state, on nations. Lord, in Jesus' name, I bless this house. Lord, let it be known as a house where those who truly move in the Spirit congregate. Those who have learned the rest, those who have learned the refreshing, in Jesus' name, Bring us into the fullness of what I have not seen nor ear heard. Lord, unfold the inheritance of this house on this people in Jesus' name as only you can do. Grace them, bless them, bring them into it. Thank you for it in Jesus' name and everyone agreed by us. Amen. Smile at somebody and say, if you do it, you will be blessed. Tomorrow night. Seven? What are we doing?